We are trying to raise $75,000 by the end of this year, December 31st. Remember that this is an amazing platform. It is 100% listener-supported radio station. That means you all out there. Please kick down whatever you can. Um, Anything helps. Um, And together, we are definitely stronger. Uh, We have a mighty force out there of people if we all come together. Same thing for California Prison Focus. We, too, are in a fundraiser. We're hoping to match a very generous uh, grant that someone has kicked down for us also by the end of the year. Um, If you can go there to prisons.org and... um, and kick down some funds there, share the wealth, whatever that is. I know wealth looks very different to lots of different people. Um, another um, um, event that we have coming up, please go to eventbrite.com. If you are a family member or um, someone that has been um, impacted by the carceral state, uh, please um, go to the eventbrite.com and look for Healing Justice Liberate the Caged Voices. This is our evening program, another platform for people to be able to come together and speak. And uh, part of the Healing Justice Ending Mass Incarceration conference that's going to be taking place on November 2nd and 3rd. Um, that conference, unfortunately, is sold out, but the evening program is still available. Go to eventbrite.com, look for Healing Justice, Liberate the Caged Voices. And um, right now, the um, un- unfortunately, things are so bad in the Santa Rita uh, County Jail that uh, Folks are on hunger strike and on a work stoppage. They think that it could go for three days. Please give them some outside support. Uh, doing a, a hunger strike and a work stoppage is incredibly uh, courageous. It is um, a strong showing for uh, the abuses that are taking place there and the human rights violations that are taking there. But they need your support here from the outside. So please go to incarceratedworkersorganizingcommittee.org. WordPress.com and get involved with that phone zap and other information regarding that strike and work stoppage that's happening at Santa Rita Jail. Again, Incarcerated Workers Organizing Committee. WordPress.com. Okay, folks. Um, I'm sorry that I'm kind of just moving along here, but I just want to shout out some of those really important um, uh, events and uh, newsworthy comments about what's happening. I am now going to take us to a music break um, as we wait for uh, Marie, who will be calling us. Um, Marie Levin is a sister of the movement, mother and wife, uh, part of the prisoner human rights uh, movement and um She's going to be speaking with us today about, as a family member, her advocacy um, work and the work that she is doing to enact change. All right, here we go with some music from Bob Marley.
Okay, folks, I think we are got Marie on the line. Marie, are you there? I am here. Fantastic. Okay. I can, I'm having a little bit of difficulty hearing you. Let's see what's going on here. Uh, okay. Can, can you hear me? I can hear you well. Okay. Okay, fantastic. Okay. Can you hear uh, no, I'm still having a little bit difficulty hearing you. Hold on one second, folks. Bear with us. Oh, there we go. Let's see. Okay, Marie, speak again. Yes, I'm here. Okay. Can you hear me? Yes. Okay, fantastic. Sorry, I have a little bit of a short, I think, in my, in my headphones, folks. Okay. Oh, this is beautiful. Marie, thank you for coming, and good morning. Good morning. How are you? I'm doing well. <laughs> okay. Much better than what I was. A few, uh, last week I had laryngitis, including this week. I just got over it just a day or two ago. So it's a good thing it, it, your show is on Thursday because uh, if it was on Tuesday, it wouldn't have been good. <laughs> well, then you know what? I love it when all stars align, right? <laughs> it all just worked out perfectly. This is great. Oh, wonderful. Well, Marie, I just want to let the listeners know that um, it is true we consider you the sister of the movement. Is that right? Yeah, that I'm a sister to the movement? Yes. Yeah, I guess you could say that. Okay, fantastic, fantastic. <laughs> um, so, listeners, I want you to know that we do have Marie Levin with us. Um, she is, yes, a sister to the movement of the Prisoners' Human Rights Movement. Um, her brother, Sitawa, was one of the leading reps of the Short Corridor of the Pelican Bay State Prison, um, the author of the agreement, one of the authors of the agreement to end hostilities, um, and this um, this organizing that they did on the inside resulted in a 30,000 participant hunger strike um, of 2013 that ended um, um, an indefinite solitary confinement and um, uh, and uh, resulted in a win through the Ashker versus Brown settlement again ending solitary uh, indefinite solitary confinement. Um, her brother did spend um, 32 years in solitary confinement. He is now he's still currently um, incarcerated at Salinas Valley State Prison. Um, next year he will be going on 40 years, and he is coming up for a parole hearing in July of 2020. So stay with us, folks, around that, because we do have a campaign going to free Satawa. And Marie, um, uh, part of the way that this um, happened these these hunger strikes. There were three. Um, and just getting of uh, giving the listeners a little bit of a background. Um, you'll be going into this more, but they really could not have done it without the outside help. And I would love for you, Marie, to talk about what um, it meant to be involved in that major organizing here on the outside with the Prisoner Hunger Strike Solidarity Coalition. How how do you feel about that? I feel that, um, you know, I was, I was not doing prison work at all. And, um, 
And I, in fact, it had been at least 15 plus years that I had not visited my brother. So when I received a, uh, a letter in the mail stating that, uh, I received a letter from him to tell me that he was going on a hunger strike, um, and that he was gonna, you know, he didn't care whether he died or not, he was gonna go on this hunger strike. And, you know, he told me to go on the, on the uh, website and look it up. I didn't see anything, so I just brushed it off. And then I got, uh, phone calls that I never received from one of the lawyers and, uh, trying to tell me about it. And so then she finally just wrote me a letter to tell me that the hunger strike was gonna happen July 8th. And, um, um, that was in 2011. And I get my dates mixed up. It could have been the first or the, or the eighth. I can't remember which for that year, but anyway, they were going on a hunger strike. And, uh, could she come by and talk to me about it and let me listen to a tape? And I did listen to that tape. And, and after hearing that tape, it was, um, it was like, wow, this is real serious, you know? So getting back involved in, seeing about my brother um, was uh, something that I felt like um, I needed to be involved in. You know, I, many don't know the story, but I, I spoke with one of the organizers, and and he told me uh, about the conditions of solitary confinement. He painted me a picture that was so real that this man was a stranger to me, Dorothy Nunn, and I just was holding his arm standing next to him, boohooing like a baby because I was I had so many emotions that were going through me at that time. Learning of the the uh, real harsh conditions inside and learning about how important it was for me to be there as an advocate for my brother. And I really didn't know what that entailed. But I found out very quickly because I, I jumped right on board and I, I feel that um the, the PHSS, uh, Prisoner Hunger Strike Solidarity Coalition, they just really coached me on what to do. Isaac Ontiveros was very instrumental in doing that. He was with CR Critical Resistance at the time. And he just, he kept telling me, Marie, just speak from your heart. And I didn't know what an advocate, a prisoner advocate really was until I got in the fight. And when I got in the fight, I went all in. And so I was on the front lines of, of going to different meetings, learning about stuff and, and, um, going to Sacramento, going to see the, le- the legislatures, uh, locally, uh, get newspapers, uh, interviews, uh, uh, radio station interviews such as this one, um, TV interviews. I, I just, you know, it was amazing. Even, um, um, social media. Uh, websites that were, you know, had their, their uh, radio shows on the, on websites that I had no clue to any of this. And it was tremendous. It was a, it was some uh, eye opener for me, but it also was uh, a breakthrough for um, the guys in prison. My brother, you know, being my brother and I are very, really close in age. Uh, we're only like ten months apart, and I tell you, you don't really realize how close you are until you're put in the trenches with your loved one. 
you know, and, and how you, when, because they cannot fight, you go to fight for them. So that was, that was amazing for me to behold and to encounter and to endure and to, you know, just standing in the gap for those who couldn't stand in the gap for themselves. Oh, I, that's, I, just thinking about and hearing about what a transformation it was for you to go from not even having seen your brother um, for 15 years um, and and then to get information about what he has been going through. Um, from, like you said, a complete stranger who is no longer a stranger. to many of us, Dorsey Nunn, who is from All of Us Are None and um, Legal Services for Prisoners with Children. I just want to say that. Um, it, that's such a personal transformation, and I think it really speaks to what so many people don't know about how incarceration affects families and um, the, the families um, uh loved ones, friends, and it doesn't just have to be the immediate family, but then we also know how then it affects really the community. And um, But um, most importantly, again, we're talking about how this affected you as a, a, a loved one, a family member, and to just get yourself right into these um, into the fight for their human rights along with them, and that's ultimately what it takes but wow it's a very um it's i i hear also that yeah you jump right in and it takes a lot it's it becomes your life as well right right and yeah and so you were really really involved with the with uh phss and from there it also sounds like i mean you talked about the transformation and so let's jump right to today because the that support that that, that um, your brother and others um, need is ongoing, right? I mean, it's not just that okay, they they got the settlement and now um, CDC small R is compliant because in fact they are not compliant. So there is a lot of advocacy and work that still needs to be done uh, from the outside, primarily through families. So I would love for you to talk about, um, I mean, go any order you like, but I know that you're involved with the um, incarcerated, the, the um, IFC and um, the SE Justice Group. So yeah, let's get into some of the work that you're doing now. Okay. Um I'll bring up uh, what I did help um, with, which was one of the earlier earlier things that happened as um, the hunger strikes happened. Um, I believe it was in like maybe 2015 that um, that the, and it could have been 14, but anyway, the the prisoner uh, advocacy network ah. was something that I I worked with. Um, the lawyers, uh, Caitlin Henry, who, who is, um, oh my gosh, she's an awesome lawyer. But she, along with uh, a few other people, um, helped uh, to, to design PAN, Prisoner Advocacy Network. And this is something that 
was stated to Azadeh, um, the Rabbi who, who was an advocate as well. But uh, how, so the, to, to help the families help the prisoners inside of solitary confinement, uh-huh. along with the lawyers to see their needs. So they would exhaust all of their 602s. You know, they, they would get a 115, which is, you know, a violation. And then a 602, you would counteract with that, that violation is red and you would, so the, the prisoner inside has to exhaust all of their 602s, whether it be medical, whether it be, uh, just stuff that they do inside to them. Um, they would exhaust the 602, and then that's when the, the uh, lawyers would step in and, and render the help that they can do. They cannot fight them, ca- their cases for them, but they would help them in pursuing every uh, area that they could, could pursue to get whatever their needs are met. <laughs> and um, so, I'm sorry, you got a question? No, no, please go ahead. I'm just sorry. I, I it, uh, Yeah, it just sounds like a battle in there. So, um yeah, please yeah. go ahead. Yeah, so, so the the um, the prisoner would write to the um, Japan Prisoner Advocacy Network, and then you know write up all of their whatever their needs are. You know that they have already exhausted their in, what they had to do. They would then send to, to Pan um, what they've been experiencing, and then Pan would take it from there to fight on their behalf. And so now they have, uh, it's been some years now, but they have uh, lawyers that still come on. They have um, law students who, who take on the task, as well as advocates and family members who take on the task of uh, learning of what to do. And the volunteers that do all of this, and I'm, those are the people I just named, they have uh, different um, info sessions. And it's not really an info session, but it's like, you go through an actual thing. So if you had a, they have a, like seminars where they, they inform the family members and all those who are in attendance, they inform them of what this uh, person is going through and then you strategize on how to help this person. So it's like a, a seminar to, to, uh, update people on what's happening inside and to, to strategize around changing and reforming, um, CDC, basically, and um, so that's one thing. And then um, I am a member slash facilitator for uh, SC Justice Group, and SC Justice Group happens to be an um, an organization that helps with um, uh, advocacy to heal, healing to advocacy. So it's. It caters to the woman of an incarcerated loved one. So the guys inside would nominate a woman or their the loved one in their life to Essie Justice Group. And at that point, uh, Essie Justice Group would get them into a nine-week cohort, do um, healing to advocacy uh, cohort. They would graduate, and then at the end of it, they would become advocates and start fighting just as I was fighting. You know, so it gives them the the, the uh, loved one the opportunity to get in the fight. It don't look from the outside, but to get inside the fight and really fight for your loved one. And it's better when you have a team behind you as opposed to you trying to do it by yourself. The other thing that I'm involved in. Oh wait, is, oh, sorry, um, Marie. 
Uh, uh, Mike, it's just, I I love that. It's amazing to me that you have this much enthusiasm. But I want to say, I think it's because when you're doing the work, it feels like you can make movement and you can make change when you're doing this work. I want to, and I want to, which is just, it's just incredible to me. And I, and and of course, I've experienced some of that myself. But I wanted to, would you um, dive in a little bit more about the nine week, um, the nine week aspect of, of what that looks like a little bit for the SE Justice Group Healing to Advocacy work? What does that look like? So what it looks like is, is um, so the nine weeks, you take uh, a couple of weeks working on yourself and finding out who you are and why you're in this fight and, and what's uh why do you um why are you fighting for your loved one just to learn who you are as a person um and you set aside in a in a way you set aside the person that you're fighting for and you you focus on yourself and how you can be healed and and to realize that you have other women who are in the same position who have gone through some of the same things that you've gone through and to find out that you don't have to go through this alone. And so that's a, a, one portion of it. Another portion is about um, um, family, you know, uh, helping the family and, and uh, making it through all of this. And, and then there's community, really reaching out. And, and community and the family, that part is like grouped together. But uh, the community, uh, just recognizing that there, um, you have a community amongst you where you can, um, you know, you can, if you have a need, and it may even be outside of your loved one. It may be something personal that you're going through. You know, uh, they have healing that we have, and it's not they, we have healing circles where a person can come and just vent on what they're going through and the healing circle would be, just be there to comfort you and, and to let you know that things are going to be all right. And you have to go to court for your loved one or you have to go to court for an issue on your own for something just centered around you. The sisters will show up for you. So it's a sisterhood that shows up. It's not just this service and saying what you're going to do, but it, it, it's this is an organization that puts their feet to the plow. You know, and, uh, or the hands to the plow, rather. And, and they, um, they on the ground doing what's needed to be done. Um, there, just to give you an example, there is, um, in the month of May, there is free black mamas. Free black mamas out of jail, you know. So we know that the bail system is notorious for putting these high bails on cases where people cannot um, afford to get out. They can't even afford to pay the bail, let alone um, remove themselves from out of prison. Right. I mean, out of jail, right? They, right. they, they, they have lives where they they were working and um, they have children that they were caring for. But now, because uh, of whatever happened to them, they're in the system, and the system wants to keep them there. So, what Essie does is they're part of a national organization to bail out black mamas. Uh-huh. And so every, every, I said May, but, uh, yeah, that's Mother's Day, yeah. Every May, they, um, they choose, they go into court and seek whom people that they can help. And California is the worst system. The bails, according to the rest of the states, the, the, it's the highest bail here in California. So, 
in one state it may be uh, 30,000, 20,000, 15,000 to bail people out. Here it's 50 and up. Oh. You know, so a lot of times this to bail a, a black mama out, you got to really sit through court because their bails are so high we can't afford to get them out, you know, because the way the organization works, you pay um, – you agree to pay for them, them to be bailed out, and then they get out, and then they you assist them with getting them back and forth to their court date and so forth. And we have uh, a young lady that went through it, and I tell you, she came, she had a little son. I think he was four or five at the time she, when she went in on something that, <laughs> I tell you, they put you in there. You can't even prove yourself wrong, that you're, you don't have no involvement in what they – calling you into this jail for anyway she she got the opportunity to get out and when she got out she got out running i tell you this young lady has gone and is now a supervisor on her job that's awesome oh my well it's so go ahead go ahead she way up on the job to become a, 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 a supervisor who does that Anybody that wants to do that, that's who are the women that we seek to help, those that want to get out of there, and, and we can see that they're changing. And, and the good thing about this whole thing is that we partner with the, um, with the uh, public defenders in uh, the Alameda County, and so they send the people who they feel will be good candidates to be bailed out. It's, it's really a good thing. It's really a good thing. It it is a really it that's a v- really beautiful thing, and it really it really needs to be. Um, well, I mean, it is is so commended and it's so honorable. Um, but the system is is really saying that it's okay to uh, to basic. It's basically saying if you have money, then you can get out because these people haven't even been convicted of anything. They've been arrested, but they haven't been convicted. So they're keeping people behind bars simply because they cannot pay to get out. And so people that, um, that can get out are, are just as guilty or not guilty as the person that can't pay. And so we have, we do, we have thousands of people that are languishing behind bars simply because they cannot pay to get out. So. It's real. This, this the system is definitely wrong and abusive, um, but this work that you all are doing is t- just so beautiful and so to be commended. I have participated in the national bailout um, myself, uh, meaning that I have I have uh, donated money to to um, help some of these women get out. And thank you for doing that work. It's um, it's absolutely stunning. And to think that you know there are so many others. There are thousands behind that aren't going to be able to be bailed out and maybe they are have the opportunity to be a, a supervisor right maybe they they have lives yeah. and dreams and um and ideas and and talents and all of these things that we are are just that this system is uh really keeping from us and and harms um not only them but the people that love them and also our community because we're robbed of those people as well um yeah, I mean, you know, the, the community is robbed of those people as well as we're going through this. But I don't want to digress because the work that the SA uh, group is, SA Justice Group, um, that you're involved in, um, is doing amazing work. And I also wanted to hi- um, just point out one of the things that you said about how you're there for the women 
um, even when it's not about like the advocacy or social political work, you're there for them as um, personally. You're there for them as just a human being. Um, and and another yeah. woman um, to um, to to just be down for and be there for. And I think that's so important because in the end, the, the work that we do and the lives that we lead there. It's it's all the same. The lines are are blurred, right? So what's happening right. in our workspace is happening in our lives. It's happening in our workspace and back around. So really, really, just just beautiful work. Um, okay, um, you're you're just you're doing so many amazing things. Um, did you want to say more about the NC Justice Group, or um, and and or do you want to move on to some other really beautiful work that you're much you know more beautiful work that you're doing for the advocacy and um, you know change for not only your brother but obviously other prisoners and the and the um, and other advocates. Um, I I did want to just say that um, if anybody wants to get nominated for uh, SC Justice Group, they would just go on. Uh, uh, look it up, Essie Justice Group, and that's E-S-S-I-E, Justice Group, and um, .org, and you can uh, fill out and nominate yourself. You don't even have to wait for your loved one to nominate you. You can go on there and online and nominate yourself to um, be a sister. And it, it really, really is a sisterhood. That's the one thing that um, I really appreciate it is, is not just talk, but it's action behind the talk. So um, I would like to move on to uh, the IFC, which is the MA Family Council. That's something that uh, I am currently doing. I am a prisoner. Uh, um, I am the chair person for the MA Family Council at the Salinas Valley is what I'm trying to say, at Salinas Valley State Prison. And uh, that's in Soledad, California. So what I do with the uh, as a chair, um, I was a, um, came in as a member originally, then uh, the secretary, moved to a secretary, then um, from the secretary, and this is just because of the chain of events. Um, I became the vice chair, and now I'm the chair of the MA Family Council at Salinas Valley. And um, we meet with the warden and his staff because they just switched hands. It was uh, uh, Foss who was uh, the, the warden there at Salinas Valley, and now it's... Um, uh, Mitchell, um, I don't know if I'm saying his name right. It doesn't set, look like the way it's, it's, it's spelled, but anyway, um, his um, he is a, it's a man warden now who just changed it. We meet every other month, and we just met just a few uh, uh, on the third Friday of every other month. We just met on the third Friday of this month, and. Jeremy Foss uh, resigned, and uh, the new uh, uh, warden took over. And again, he is—he's uh, moving in the same vein as she was, according to you know what he said, because she's—he's been under her for a while. So, uh, what I want to say about him 
is that, I mean, what happens in these meetings, because we're just getting a, the opportunity to work with him personally. He's been on the scenes the whole time, but uh, with her since she came, but um, he's now stepped into that position as a warden. We meet with the warden and his staff, and I mean, like, the AW's um, associate wardens of the different departments. We meet with the captains, um, the lieutenant, and the uh, sergeant of the visiting department. And that's what we mostly work with is what's happening in visiting as it pertains to the family members and, and the prisoners. We also have a phone dialogue um, in the past we have had uh, just recently as well with the IAC, and that's the Inmate Advisory Council, which is the prisoners inside. They have a council where they meet um, uh, They meet with the warden quarterly, but I, I believe they meet monthly. So uh, they meet together and they discuss uh, things that they need, in, you know, back there where they are. But we, we meet with them over the phone to converse about uh, the money's being spent correctly, the inmate welfare fund and the um, SB 542, that's regarding the monies that they get. And um, if you don't spend all the money each year, they they divvy it up to another prison. So for people who are on the inmate family council, pay, pay close attention to that because they will take money away from you if it's not used at the end of the year. Uh, and the end of the year would be November the 15th for them, for their fiscal year to uh, distribute these monies out. But it, it's not just that. We we make sure that visiting goes well when there's problems. We address the problems. Uh, food and vending has always been a problem. So we, we address that. We attach education, them getting their um, their uh, either college or high school or uh, even taking trades inside. You know, they, they – uh, Sometimes it's hard for them at Salinas Valley to get teachers to stay there because they don't really want to pay the teachers, you know, decent wage. So people move on. But you do have some people there that have stayed, and thank God for that, because they they do have um, workable skills. Like they they teach like um, uh, HVAC, you know. Um, they teach auto uh, body repair. They teach HVAC is um, I think it's a heating and cooling right. Um, system. Mm-hmm. Right. So they teach them that. They teach them auto body um, repair. Um, and we visited. I've gotten the opportunity now to go on a tour for um, the – this was my third time. Whew, I have to tell you this. Whew. Oh, goodness. The very first time that I went on a tour – the warden was Warden Muniz, and he was a very generous uh, warden, a warden who really uh, thought outside the box, and he allowed us to go on the yards. He allowed us to go to see the yard, see the cells, and um, I actually walked inside of my brother's cell. <gasps> and... Um, I remember once when uh, when uh, Prisoner Hunger Strike Solidarity Coalition, when we made a model sale 
And it's different when you, you're putting together a sale, something that looks like a sale. And I remember we put it together, oh, it was peasy, easy peasy, no problem. And when we went and set the sale up on uh, at Mosswood Park that year, we set the sale up, and I didn't see the completed product until I walked into it that day. And when I walked into it that day, I tell you, I couldn't stay in there 10 seconds. I had to get out of there, and I just, I began crying before I could even leave out of the sale. And this was just a model sale. Right. I went inside, and I stood around, and I looked, and all, you know, what I was seeing inside. And then, which was a, a bunk bed, a, a toilet that's connected to the sink, and like a little stand, like a, a cubicle kind of thing where it's like a desk. And um, I turned around because I could not, I could not bear it. I walked out of there, and my husband was like, "What's wrong? What's wrong?" I said, "I can't, I can't take it." I just kept crying and crying because it was so real to me that this is where my brother is in this solitary, solitary confinement cell. And then when I actually walked into a cell in general population, I walked inside the door and my brother had already walked out and I was in the, in the cell with his cellmate, Baridi. And when I walked in, and I looked around, and I seen how the close the quarters are, and the two people in the cell, and and I just tears just began to fall down my eyes. And the warden he came in behind me, and I just as I walked in, Barini began to show me a poster that was up on the wall, and uh, it was a it was like a affirmation that they said every morning, and in this affirmation he was telling me he said sis. We're good, sis. Don't worry, we're good. You know, and he, he pointed to it. He took his finger and he pointed to his mind. He said, this is where we are. We are free, sis. We are free. So don't worry, it's going to be okay. And so I tried to dry up my tears. But I just kept crying and kept crying. And I turned around. He gave me a hug. And I turned around and I walked out. And then he went and got me some tissues. And then my brother was down on the other end talking to um, an officer. So we started walking to each other. And when he held me, the same thing happened that happened to me when I was with Dorsey. I was holding on to my brother, and I began to cry from instantly. Like, it was like the end of the world. I just kept crying, and my body was shaking, and, and I was just crying and crying. He said, and he was holding me with both his, his arms, and he was saying, this is okay. I'm going to be all right. I am all right. This is okay. Stand up, it's okay. It's okay. I need you to be strong. You stand up, it's okay. I'm all right. And he eventually calmed me down. But I tell you, that was a life experience that I'll never, ever forget. 
of walking inside his literal cell and, and seeing where he was housed at and seeing the conditions that these guys are in. I tell you, it is truly the size of the bathroom, but with no space, and you only got a path to walk down. It's okay. It's beautiful. And I, you know, um, I know that it's, it's so important for all of us. We need to be moved by this. We cannot lose our humanity. We have over 2 million people that are being incarcerated. We have thousands of people that are being locked up in solitary confinement. Um, the work that you're doing is still about making sure that your brother and and others, friends of your brother, um, other family members of people who are incarcerated who are still suffering the uh, the torture of solitary confinement. I think it really is important for our community to know that this is and how it's affecting you because you are part of our community and um we need to be the se justice group you know the 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 community needs to know and our listeners out there are hearing this and um i hope that um that you're feeling this i i really hope that people are feeling this because um Marie is, you know, you're one of, of many, many uh, family members whose loved ones are going through this. And sure. we, need, um, we need to get on board, um, it, whoever, in any way that you can, it, even just to... Um, to hold Marie's tears and hear this experience and know that people are going through this. People that are incarcerated um, are being impacted and their families and loved ones are being equally impacted, equally, yeah. and, and being forced to be strong for each other under some really, really difficult, really difficult circumstances. And, um, I just, um, you know, I, one of the most beautiful things, Marie, I'm so grateful that you are, first of all, that you, you are sharing with us and don't ever apologize. That is the beauty of being able to um, have these platforms. This is what they are for, to be able to hear voices that we don't normally hear. Your voice is beautiful and transformational, and, um, and it is important that... Um, that it's heard. So never apologize. Um, your your voice and your tears and your authenticity and coming from the heart is so welcome in this space. And the work that you're doing is incredible. You know, and Thank you. Uh, 
you're doing so much uh, work for your brother. And, um, you know, one of the things that you really wanted to um, do is start a campaign to help get him free. And um, that's happening. Yeah, it's... it's <laughs> It's, I'm so grateful. I, I just I can't even express because it is a lot of things that I'm doing right now, and you know you can only do what you can do, and and so that's just that was just one more thing that was being added to my plate that I didn't see how I could do it. I I can't do it. I know that, and that and that's why I was reaching out to people that could help with doing it, and I so appreciate you taking the the helm and, and, and really, um, you know, doing the background work of what needs to be done with this. I so appreciate that. Hey. And do right there on the front lines with, with me in, in, um, making sure that he comes home. Absolutely. And, and, you know, this is, Again, you know, it's going to take, it, this is a collaborative effort, and the, the organizations that you're involved in, especially the Inmate um, Family Council. So I wanted, I, are, do you want to talk about, um, do you had this other warden, um, will you say his name again, the one that actually uh, allowed for this situation for you actually to go into the cell? Um, what was his name? Muniz, M-U-N-I-Z. Okay, Muniz. So he's no longer there, and there is now a new warden, and it's Warden Mitchell. How are you feeling about uh, Warden Mitchell, um, especially since it sounds like he's kind of moving in the same direction as the other warden, which I don't know about about that. So would you like to kind of end with that, or do you want to talk about maybe something more um, – a little bit more, I don't know, a little lighter. Did you want to talk about your business? I'm going to give you the last word. We've got about five more minutes. Okay. And I said Mitchell, but the last, his, are you there still? Oh, yeah, we're here. We got you. Okay. Um, his, um, his name is Matthew Ashley, maybe, A-T-C-H-L-E-Y. That's the new, the new um, um, warden. Okay. That doesn't look like Ashley, but it's A T C H L E Y. It's 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 spelled differently. But anyway, he seems to be a good warden. He said that he wants to address some things. One of the main things he said he went he and um, one of the captains went over to uh, Europe to to view what their prison was like, and um, they want to make the family visiting really feel like home and not just another institutional room. So they want to make it more homely. So they want to, uh, they're reaching out to organizations to really um, donate to the prison to make these, these uh, family units uh, be like home for the, for the prisoners. And, and that's innovative in itself. You know, who in prison would uh, be able to, to feel like they're really at home, you know? So, Anyway, um, that that was a plus for him. Mm -hmm. But uh, I do want to say that um, it's been a, a real uh, rewarding thing that to have the warden, whatever our issues were, 
that they were on top of it. They had meetings, allowed us to have conference calls with one of the captains. She's now down in Sacramento, but uh, have a conference call in between our biweekly, um, bimonthly meeting so that whatever issues we had to address, that we could address them then. And um, so when we come to the full meeting, that we, we you know, things would be resolved. And and um, and as far as the the bending, that was a time of the, to meet with them to for bending to make sure that we don't have these same issues of coming in on a busy day and there's not enough water, or coming in and, and they've already sold out all of the food, mm-hmm. you know, or they have stale food or moldy food inside the vending machine, you know, issues like that. So, but moving on from that, I do want to say uh, that. I started a business called Mom's Pastries, uh, and Mom's sense is Mom's M O M M S, which is Marie, Olin, Mawuli, and Marcus. That's me and my three sons. Um, I started this business back in '93, um, not knowing that um, how to make money or, or if I was making money or losing money, and I just decided that I would set it down and continue my barber business. But as time went on. Um, I continue to bake at home, but not for the public. But as time went on and I became a prison, prisoner uh, advocate slash activist, I saw the need for uh, to hire formerly incarcerated people, how they needed a job to come to that was not discriminating against them, but that they could make a livable wage at. So I started the bakery business back up to get people um, when they come out of prison, to be able to come and make a livable wage. I am still in the, the infant stages of this, trying to get out there, trying to uh, connect with different organizations um, to to really push this this uh, this business to help the prisoner as they come out because we know that there are prisoners that really want to change and have changed inside, and when they come out, they want to continue that change. But given the opportunity, sometimes they come out and they have jobs that they come to for $8.50 an hour. We know that if a person gets on a job making $8.50 an hour, they're likely going to go back to what they were doing. Yes. You know? Absolutely. And, uh, and they have some real guidance. And, you know, so that's what this business is all about. And um, that, so that's what I want to leave that with you. Not only that... But I do want to say that my brother, Satawa Natambu Janmaha, is the name that he prefers to be called by, went to prison for a crime that he did not commit. And the person that committed the crime admitted to it on the witness stand and got out after five years. And my brother is in, has been in prison ever since. He was illegally put into solitary confinement. When you spoke about the the uh, the the uh, hunger strikes and the, and the um, you let's see you spoke about how um, the settlement you spoke about the settlement mm-hmm. and that that settlement left um, the settlement left uh, those who not uh, those ten years and above being able to, uh, to being in Side of solitary confinement, it left them being able to come out of solitary confinement. Well, what CDC 
did at that time. They said, oops, we made a mistake. Oh, 70% of y'all wasn't even supposed to be in solitary confinement. I mean, you know, it's, it's such a fight and it's such, they, they regret on even their own laws, you know. So it, I look forward to helping my brother get out, uh, this campaign to, to free him to come out on his parole date. That would be such a blessing to our family. He's been locked up way too long. As you stated, it's almost 40 years. You know, 39 years being locked behind bars for something that you did not do, right. you know, and even knowing the truth, you still, you know, put him in an even greater, uh, deeper hole by putting him in solitary confinement based on lies and, um, uh, what do they call it, confidential informants. And in his case, it was two COs. So, you know, it, it, it's a, uh, and I'm sure in many situations it's been the same way for many people. So there's a lot of people locked behind bars who, who deserve to be home with their families, such as my brother. I thank you so much for this opportunity to be able to, to talk about um, this movement of, you know, dismantling, that's the word I want to use, dismantling the, the system of CDCR, and that is a little odd. Thank you so much, Marie, and um, you're absolutely right. Folks, we are going to have to call it a day. Thank you so much for listening. Go to prisons.org, and you can get all the information about Satawa. Marie, one last thing. Is there any kind of GoFundMe page or anything where people can help to contribute and make sure that this uh, Mom's Pastries gets started? You know, no, I don't have a GoFundMe page. I oh. don't. I don't even know how to do that. Okay, don't worry, <laughs> you know, folks. Stay with us, and we will make sure. Um, we will come here every week, and we will make sure to keep you up to date with what's happening with Marie. Marie, have a beautiful day. Thank you so much. We have to leave it there. Okay, thank okay. you, dear. Bye-bye.